Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals, huge amounts of money, CIA secrets, sets off a firestorm in Washington, affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. It was just like a deep bruise or whatever, but I'm talking about timeless hours in here day in and day out just to get where we at right now. And it was kind of painful at the time, but as the week on, you know, like I just said, them doing a good job, getting all the pain away, getting all my motion and strength back, and I feel like they did an outstanding job. How do you play as physically as you do, but still trying to protect yourself? I ain't protecting nothing. And you could easily make an argument here, guys, that Debo Samuel could be the most impactful player in this game. I know he's got the banged up shoulder. Everyone's banged up this time of year. Was a full participant, I believe, like at Friday's practice. But maybe it's safe to say, you tell me, Steve, is it safe to say that Samuel won't be able to contribute the way he normally does? We've already seen the impact of when it was announced, as we just mentioned with Jeff, on some of the props, like Kittle's number went down a little bit once Debo was announced that he was going to play here. But is it safe to say he won't be able to contribute the same way he normally does? I mean, ideally, I would think that that's true. But, like, he seems like one of those guys, and you just saw from the comments there, that, like, it doesn't matter. Like, the center for uh, the Lions, Ragnow, I think his name yeah. is. He's got, An- like... Ankle, knee, back. Right. <laughs> like, literally, <laughs> he has, like, four ridiculous. different injuries. Like Frank's a tough guy. He looked yeah. like he was, like... <laughs> He was like decapitated at one point during that game, and he runs off for a play, and he comes back. He's like, "I'm good." Like some of these guys are just built different. I feel like that's kind of one of the guy that Debo is one of those type of guys. So, I mean, realistically, too, you also have to take into consideration, and I don't think this is going to happen. But like, if the 49ers get out to an enormous lead, okay, do they protect Samuel? And I feel like that would make a 1, lot of thousand percent. You know what I mean? So I don't think that's going to happen. But then again, you know, 49ers yeah. are over a touchdown favorite at this point. I mean, would you just stay? away from him, Jules, uh, in, in terms of like props or that kind of, I don't even know if, if, if he's not on the necessar- Well, let's see. I mean, like any time necessarily. I mean, he's, he's up there and people are betting his, his receiving over. It's 47 okay. and a half yards, juiced minus, minus 135 uh, to the over. And Debo generally has a rushing prop as well. Yeah, I don't well, see that on here right now. Not posted. All right. So, I, I don't mind going to him. It's a modest uh, spot. People are, uh, it's a modest number. People are going to look past him because of the injury designation. 
it's the biggest game of the year, and he's your most dynamic mm-hmm. ball carrier, Christian McCaffrey included. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a great game to get him the ball, to be honest. I, I would look to the over uh, on his prop, getting a good number on a guy that, you know, maybe people are, are looking away from. Or would you almost think, Josh, that let's say he, he is banged up, and again, a lot of dudes are banged up, that maybe does this put more on the plate of let, playmakers like a Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk? I think so, and I think, you know, Debo, just that we gave yesterday, it still holds true today. When he plays, he starts the game and finishes the entire game. They're 12-1 straight up. They're 10-3 and against the spread. If he gets hurt, misses the game, or leaves the game, they're 1-4 straight up. They're 0-5 against the spread. So to me, uh, one of the guys you can really target here would be George Kittle over 58.5 receiving yards. Now, it was as high as 60.5 yesterday, so it scares you a little bit that it came down a little bit. But now you can get a better number, and the reason for that is Kittle as the go-to guy. When you see Debo banged up, where does Purdy go to? Kittle is... The guy over the middle, the big play opportunity. He had four catches for 81 yards against Green Bay in the first game. And also Detroit, they just got lit up by Kate Otten last week. Kate Otten had five catches for 65 yards. Detroit, by the way, 31st in passing yards allowed per game for 257. So again, Debo's banged up. He's going to play. But will he re-aggravate something? Will he leave the game? I think it's something you got to look at if you're live betting. And to me, Kittle's the guy to target now over 58 and a half, by low, minus 120. And the other thing is, too, is that I think it's worth looking at someone like Jawan Jennings, because it's very obvious from what we saw in that game when Debo was hurt last time out that Jennings is the direct backup for Debo Samuel. Now, you look at his receiving props sitting at 17 and a half, uh, juiced up to minus 120 for the over here. Like, I think that's something worth looking at too as well, because while he's not going to get those consistent targets, when he is going to get targeted, he is going to get some of those deeper downfield shots. And he's been able to clear this in, in some really short instances too. Like, you look at week 15 against Arizona, only two catches, but for 25 yards. Week 30, against the Eagles. Bad secondary, just like we're going to see here with the Lions. Three catches, but uh, only three catches, but for 44 yards. So, like, he is one of those guys, almost kind of like a Justin Watson that we have there over with the Chiefs, that, you know, maybe not a mainstay in this offense, but we'll get some of those deeper downfield shots. And, and if they are limiting Debo in any form uh, capacity, Jennings is that direct backup. And Jules, when we're looking at the total, it's a full touchdown more than the Chiefs and Ravens. So this one's 51 and a half. Could you see a points explosion here between these two teams going down and brave enough to maybe take the over? Yeah, I I like the under in Baltimore more than the over in San Francisco, but I would lean to the over in in this game. I do think we're going to see points specifically on San Francisco's side of things. Uh, You had them, you know, playing close to as bad as they could play last week. And the rain was a huge issue for them offensively because it just that's a factor for Brock Purdy. It was clear if you watched that game. Not going to be a factor in these conditions today. You got Purdy going up against the 31st-ranked pass defense in terms of yards per game. They are giving up, you know, 300-yard passers four of the last six weeks. Stafford and Baker, both over 300. I, last I looked... Uh, Purdy was plus 175 to go for for plus 300 in this game, something that I wrote up in my article on on DK Network for this week. I think the Niners are in a good spot to score. I trust them. I have faith in them in this game. I would rather specifically target San Francisco on the team total only because of the issues we talked about yesterday, and we can get more into it today, that Detroit has outdoors. And it's not as much about the weather as it is simply getting out of the dome, going from turf to grass. That causes issues for the Lions, who score 30.7 points per game, uh, 30.75 points per game in their 14 indoor games this season, 17.8 in their five outdoor games, one outdoor game in the last 12 weeks for Detroit. Something new for them. It would not surprise me if they do struggle a little bit. I mean, have we been able to, like, 
dive into those five game five games more though? Because weren't they like three and two straight up, three and two ATS like in, yeah. in those? Because yeah. a lot of it has to do with the weather and how so cold it's going to be. It's going to be know, perfect weather out there. Yeah, I. Uh, and part of it has to do with the weather. Part of it has to do with just not a not controlled being environment in the dome yes. and being okay. on grass. Yeah. So even though it is not bad weather, going not being in their dome at home has affected their offense. And yes, they've won some of those games, twenty-one to twenty in Kansas yeah. City. That was a win on opening night. Uh, but the uh, the numbers don't lie. The numbers are the numbers. Over thirty a game indoors, little over seventeen per game outdoors. Those are. I mean, not sleeping I, in your own I, I bed just sucks. Can't, not I, sleeping in your own bed I sucks. can't get behind this. I know. You sound like all the people I on know, Twitter I that said that's a dumb but trend. They're all going to be wrong today, and then I'm going to say, I told you. And Josh, you're, you're saying go out right now and grab 51 and a half because this thing is moving up. Yeah, I think so, Emerson. That's my player to go over in this one. Again, we've seen this line. Uh, at one point, it was as low as 50 and a half, got up to 51 and a half. A lot of shops are juiced up. Like, it may go to 52. Now, of course, you really would have wanted to target this. 50 and a half because it lands on 51, you know, 27 to 24 score. You got to kind of think through your head what final scores could be. Key numbers obviously aren't as important when it comes to totals as it is when it comes to spreads. But uh, the fact that this thing is rising, it lands 52. Again, you want to catch that bet, not push it. Um, totally get Julian's point in terms of going outdoors, but the conditions are great. I kind of lean on uh, towards Steve a little bit here. I think uh, this will be basically a good sign for Detroit that even though they're going outside, it's a grass field. Uh, it's going to be 70 degrees, no wind at all, no precipitation. And really, if you look at the bet percentages, guys, typically in these big games, championship games, Super Bowls, you look at you know basketball, March Madness, people want to bet the overs. They're getting together today. They want to have some fun. Order some food, have some drinks, go to yeah. the bar. Whoa, whoa, here. big man. Do are you right. pl- you're planning yeah. our afternoon for us here? So I think so. Maybe after the show, that's what we'll do. We'll go to eat, drink, and chill. The you do, hey, owe, hey, you hey, do hey. Owe, owe us donuts. I do owe you guys. But go over, right? <laughs> that, However, the public's not saying that. Only 57% of bets are going over. To me, this is an opportunity to go over without being worried that you're on too public of a side. Two of the top five offenses in the NFL, both averaging nearly 30 points per game. Also, Lions 12 and 7 to the over on the year. And here's what I'm going to lean on, guys. I like combining data currently to the past. If you can kind of uh, have here we go. a line. Here we go, Steve, you're gonna like this. Here we go, he AFC, says. Here's your system, Steve. AFC, NFC championship games since 2004. A 20-year sample. The over is 22 and 13, 63%. So we got beautiful weather. We got the line rising. Yeah. Uh, we got a historical system match. Yeah, I'm rooting for points. Historical over system. One and a half. Everyone at home snacking. Yeah, snacking. Ha- having some bevies. You had Domino's right. the other day. I did. Uh, yeah, I used some of my points for free cheesy bread. It was <laughs> great. We, this needs to be a paid <laughs> Not ad, ad, but could be. Your name here, keep, Domino's. Yep. <laughs> cough it up, Domino's. Um, all right. Take the weather out of your head. This is what I'm trying to say. I have. Jared, a Jared long time Go- ago. Good. Remove it. Jared Goff in a dome. 104 rating, 69% completion, 7.9 yards per pass attempt, 23 TDs to 8 INTs. Jared Goff outdoors. Gets a little worse. 87.9 passer rating, 64.5 completion percentage, 7 yards per pass, 7 TDs to 4 INTs. Jared Goff on grass. This is a surface he struggles with. 82 rating, 63.6 completion, 6.5 yards per pass, five TDs to four picks. Not playing on turf in the dome and playing outdoors. I don't care if it's in Hawaii on grass. That has affected Jared Goff throughout his career. Huh. So he's just not a big grass guy. But it's his grass. He's from Southern California, right? (laughs) 
Did you have a prop in this game? And it better not be anything related to Jared Goff on grass. No, it's not. Because, like, I just, I'm not going to sit here and talk about grass for, like, I will five say, he, he brought matter. some numbers to back it up, as did what's Josh the, what's over here. What's the sample here. size on that? His career. Is this sample okay, size that big the, enough for you? No, the breakdown of those games. How <laughs> about with Rams versus Lions? What do you mean, the breakdown of those games? Oh, like you said, like, the break, I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with this grass talk. I'm, talk with, I'm done with Taylor Swift. I'm done with Harbaugh. Well, well Eminem, Eminem. There'll be a lot of Eminem talk today. Yeah, that's still fresh. So I'm not, I'm not All right, Damon's Pasquetti. What do you got any for a prop? Pers- anything personal against anyone, but I just hope Jared Goff has an awful game today. Really? Well, if not, he's going to be eating nothing but Domino's moving forward. I don't know there, if I'll be I, able to. Again, I don't know if I'll be able to afford <laughs> Domino's. Delicious, the affordable food. Win, but, but, Domino's. Break the, break the yeah, uh, but real quick. Yeah, here. I do have an emergency pizza in my account, too. That is that is. They're always telling me I have one as well. Um, I do like the Kittle props still. Uh, I mentioned this. I mean, I was wrong about this, and I was actually surprised. I said, hey, if you're going to be taking the Kittle prop, take this now because it's juice minus 130 to the over. Wake up this morning. It's gone down two yards, but we mentioned this is really because of Debo coming back. I still like this one here. He's been a big factor in these playoffs here. uh, The longest reception, too. You can get it over under 24 yards. I think that's viable as well. All right, we've got more discussion about this game with Jeff Howe of The Athletic coming up. But right after this break, a historic win on the PGA Tour yesterday in sunny California. And the recent betting trend you need to know before filling out that Pebble Beach betting card. Oh, let us know. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Take a quick 
little break from the gridiron, let's head to the track. And by track, I mean the links, baby. We're talking golf. Jeff Ulrich, one of our gorgeous golf gurus here at DraftKings. Dude, the uh, farmers, wow, it's a lot of Jeff. The farmers wrapping up yesterday. Ah, there, there you are, big man, that big, beautiful face of yours. First time since World War II here, Jeff. A man playing wow. under the French flag has laid claim to a trophy on the PGA Tour. Matthew Pavan emerging. That was an electric leaderboard coming down the stretch. I saw you even tweeting through it a little bit, saying, wow, could this one individual have his John Rahm moment? Because we don't know John Rahm's obsessed with 18 on this course. But listen, this dude was 125 to 1 to like 151 pre-tournament outright. And I saw our buddy Jason Sobel tweet this out. So he's trying to become, he did become the fourth straight PGA Tour winner with triple digit odds to start the season. What does that say about golf right now and the tour one month into the season? So it says a couple different things. I mean, I think first of all, some of these uh, long shot winners are a result of the PGA Tour's top players getting diluted a bit. Um, you know, when you take away Bryson, when you take away, um, you know, obviously John Rahm now and, uh, you know, Cameron Smith, like, you know, there's just room for other guys to come to, to, to pop up. I mean, um, the, you, you're left with a few less inconsistent players, at, uh, more inconsistent players at the top. And I think that the other factor here is that, you know, the PGA has created this sort of feeder system with the European tour, the DP world tour now. And some of these guys on the DP world tour were really good and they just didn't get a chance to play against PGA competition very much. Now they're going in to play against PGA competition that wasn't as good as it was in the past. And they're coming in and they're kind of just hitting their stride right off the top. A lot of these guys like Pavon, Nikolai Hogard, Alberg, like they've yeah. been playing a lot of golf too. So they're in form. This, they, like they barely took a break over Christmas. They're coming in, you know, guns blazing, so to speak. And we saw that last week. I mean, Hogard and Pavon were at the top of the leaderboard. They didn't crumble despite not playing Tory Pines much. Um, that's the biggest story for me. The PJ Tour is changing a bit this year. I think, you, I think we got to adapt pretty quick. I'm not suggesting go out and bet everyone under 200 to one every, yeah, every week, but I mean, this will come to an end soon, probably when we hit Florida or even next week. But, um, you know, I, I think you will see and, and more names like Pavon potentially break through or be at the top of the leaderboards this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's great to see some of these young guys. And I say young guys. I mean, this was a 31-year-old rookie yesterday who won this tournament. Yeah. But, like, I do believe, like, sports leagues around the world excel best when, like, the best players are on the biggest stages. And we kind of have one of those this week, Jeff. So maybe this trend of these long shot guys uh, ends up being snapped. But Pebble Beach, just two courses this year. This is going to be a different tournament than we've seen in a long, long time. So bye-bye Bill Murray and, you know, all these other celebrities here because only two rounds with the amateurs. It's a signature event. So we're talking a limited field, no cut. How is this going to change your betting approach this week? Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I think for betting, like, obviously it, it's still Pebble Beach and, you know, like the, the setup is going to be somewhat similar. I mean, it's still, you know, two rounds of amateurs, whatever, but I, 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 this is the one event I'm going to say, this is the one event I'm actually glad they changed. Cause this was a brutal event before you get three rounds throws would be out there for six hours for, for three days in a row. There was like 150 people on the course, not even including amateurs. And it was just too much. And now that they've condensed it, I'm, I'm glad this is only 80 people. Let's get a little bit more like featured of the golfers on the weekend. I think that's what we're going to get. So 
I, I still think course history is going to apply nicely at Pebble Beach. That's the one thing. This is this has been a huge course history event. You get guys coming in, obviously having just uh, you know a ton of experience playing this trickle, tricky little course. Guys like Brant Snedeker, Jimmy Walker have always done well here. Jason Day has cleaned up here, even though he's never won. Jordan Spieth. I still think that's going to apply, but. I think that it won't apply necessarily to the degree that it did in that old format. So, you know, new format, um, you know, a little bit more condensed, more elite names here, obviously as well. But I, I still think there's going to be some value in chasing that course history with guys down the board. Okay. So right now, no odds currently available on the DraftKings sports book, but we're four tournaments into the season. Is there a dude who is more on your radar who you may have your eye on this week though, in this limited no cut field? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think two guys that I'm pretty impressed with to start, I mean, Justin Thomas definitely deserves a shout out. Yeah. Had a really nice start at the Amex. I know it's only been like a couple of events for JT, but he looks back back. I mean, he had a, he had a pretty solid fall. I uh, played in the Euro tour a bit. And, and I, I mean, I, I think that coming up this next stretch for Justin Thomas is going to be pretty important. I, it will not shock me if he wins pretty quick here. This is just a player who is basically a lock for a win or two every year. And then last year happened. Everyone kind of wrote him off. It was a bad dip, but I mean, he is just too good a player to stay down. And then Nikolai Hogard is the other one. I mean, we saw him last week. This is a guy coming in jet lagged, no prep and just about one in the, on the PGA tour, an event like he basically had no experience playing Hogard's really good. And he's a player you need to just keep on this year. In my opinion, I don't know if it's necessarily going to happen at Pebble. It wouldn't necessarily be the spot I'd predict for him, but um, coming down the road, you know, when we hit Florida, some of these tougher courses, Nikolai Hogard to me is going to be a name. You really want to keep just, uh, you know, targeting in the betting odds as well. Um, he, he is an absolute talent and um, you know, he, he's probably going to grab a win at some point on the PGA. Yeah, and a big story in golf over the last few weeks has really been fashion, Jeff. This golf fashion has just been exploding left and right. And then I know, you know, you're a big NHL guy as well, one of our NHL analysts. And fashion has been a topic of conversation this week after the Stadium yeah. Series sweaters were released here. So it's like the Flyers, Devils, Rangers, Islanders all going to be taking part in the NHL Stadium Series uh, coming up next month, MetLife Stadium. February 17th, and then the following day on the 18th. Yay or nay oh. on these? I kind of oh. like these, except the Islanders one. I'm like, oh, geez, I don't know about that one, sweetie. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. What, were, they, were they going here for like the, like the <laughs> I, I don't know, really know what they were going for here. Like the 1980s kind of like retro jackets, like everything's a little bit too big here, it seems like. The Rangers one um, looks great. Massive. I'm sorry, the Rangers one looks great. I think the Rangers one is probably the best. You're right. Like, uh, again, I, I like the Rangers. I just, here's my problem with this for the Islanders. One is terrible. It looks like an Edmonton Oilers Jersey, except it says Isles. So it's like, <laughs> great. So you're the, you're the New York Oilers. Um, but here's my problem with these. The ho hockey is such a good, historic, rich tradition of jerseys. You could go into any team's past and just find some nice color combos and, and just bring them up. You know, like the green sweaters for the, for the devils, the Rangers have some great old ones as well. The one with the old, you know, lady Liberty on it. And why are we creating these new ones that like, it looks like, you know, you got a bunch of 16 year olds here. Let's make the devil's thing as big as possible. Let's put NYR <laughs> across. It just doesn't make sense to me when we have all this great, like traditional jerseys, you know, the NFL nailed it with their sort of throwback jerseys. Why does the NHL keep trying to like redo this? I don't understand. They have more things to draw back from than ever. So now I don't like these really over as a well. whole. I, I think the Rangers one sticks out. I agree. It's the best. 
The other ones okay. are just kind of meh to me. All right, well, a couple of weeks after the stadium series wraps up, we will hit the NHL trade deadline. Is there a team right now? Give me a team that needs to go absolutely all in. I mean, the, the team that needs to go all in is the Edmonton Oilers because, I mean, like, we're, we're in Connor McDavid's prime here, Leon Drysaddle's prime. They should oh, be so going same out and getting, like, five every goals. year, Jeff. Same story every year every with year. our boys. And, it's, and, and look, like, their goaltending's great now, but, you know, like, is it creating a sense of sort of, you know, like, the, the, the urgency still needs to be there with the Oilers for the goaltending situation. And if it's not, that's an issue. Um, there's definitely other teams down the road though, down here as well. I think that the Panthers could potentially look to add in a goalie or, or do something at the very least. They're in a good spot. I really like the way the Panthers have played this year. Um, you know, you look down, most of the elite teams do have elite goalies, which isn't that shocking. You know, the devils are a team that could potentially be looking for a goalie just to stabilize what they've been going through. They've had a lot of injuries this year. I think the LA Kings Talbot's been okay, but they could certainly add a goalie as well. They've got a really good team. I like the way they're, they're forwards are set up, but man, like their, their goalie goaltending has been a little bit up and down lately. So yeah, Kings devils. And, and of course the Oilers, they they just need some kind of stability back there. They need a one, a option in case Skinner, um, you know, just doesn't work out in the playoffs again. Also shout out to our boys in Edmonton, 16 straight wins, dude. That is, yeah. that is hot. Almost, I mean, that look, we're, we're, we're a couple wins away here from, from the history yeah. books. Like dude, this is something you need to watch. So, um, you know, they can tie the, the, the most wins in a row with a one more win. Yep. They can break the record with two. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're in like, you know, watch time here. This is, uh, this is pretty cool. All right, so we got a minute to go in this segment here, Jeff. There are two games on tap on tonight's slate. Uh, you mentioned the Kings need to go all in. I mean, the Kings have been in a, a dismal 2-7-5 record since December 28th. They've fallen out of the Pacific's top three spots. So they're visiting the Blues, Blue Jackets at the Kraken. What do you got for a bet tonight? I, I mean, I, I do like the Kings here. Um, I, I think that this is just a spot where you look at L.A. They're 14-6 and six straight up on the road this year. They've been pretty good in these spots. And like you said, I mean, they've been bad of late, but you know, like they, they had a three, one lead, um, you, you know, a couple games ago against, I think it was the red Wing or against the Sabres, excuse me. They blew that, but they were out to the lead. They got blown out by the avalanche. You know, that's not that big a deal. Um, and then they had like 40 shots against the sharks. So okay. they're just kind of going through these like mental lapses. I, I think they probably pull out of it today. Plus 100 to win in regulation, LA Kings. I think they get it done against the blues blues played last night as well. So the Kings got a rest advantage. These are really good odds. Take a shot with the Kings tonight. All right, big man. Uh, enjoy the day. Enjoy football. We're going to talk a lot more football next with Jeff Howe of the athletic and why today could mark the end of an era here for Andy Reid and maybe Bill Belichick sliding in after him. Oh, story of the day folks not one but two conference championship games around the nfl so i'd like to bring in uh, one of my good friends right now jeff howe of the athletic dude covers the entire nfl year around wow look at you you look so intelligent with glasses on well i mean that was the ruse to start and now i just quite frankly can't see anything <laughs> <laughs> well i'm happy you are here i can see you so can all the people at home watching us right now this ravens chiefs game today jeff 
some potentially sloppy weather, but we had Nate Taylor on earlier. He says, yeah, it looks fine outside. He was in his hotel room sitting right next to a window. Uh, could be good for the running attack here. Mark Andrews is back. Like, it does feel like everything's kind of coming up Ravens right now. And after many disappointing performances in the postseason, it kind of feels like it appears to be their time. Would you agree with that? Or you think we just can't ignore the Chiefs in their history here? Well, let's start with the Ravens. I mean, everything this season, this has been their year. I mean, Lamar Jackson looks like he's going to be the MVP. You look at uh, Mike McDonald is closing in on, on the potential to get a head coaching job after this season. Uh, there's been so much to like about what Baltimore can do. The number one defense. I had somebody last week tell me that if Mark Andrews is coming back, it's pretty much a wrap for the rest of the league. That The rest of the uh, Ravens are just so deep. So uh, this is uh, a team that, they also, they're so well coached. You know, it's one thing to have the talent all the way across the board, offensively and defensively, but the adjustments that they made throughout that game against the Texans, holding CJ Stroud to three offensive points, uh, leaving them with no answers on offense. And then, you know, defensively, <clears throat> really being able to attack that Texans defense, kind of hammer out the flats when the blitzes were coming at a, basically an historic rate against Jackson. I just, I love the way that they're coached and I love the way that they execute. If Lamar Jackson is the best player on the field, the Ravens are going to win. Yeah, it does feel like the Chiefs like won't go out easily, though, Jeff, because other than a few red zone snags here over the first couple games, you know, it's it's it does look like that they maybe have their groove back a little bit. Um, would you give the edge here, I guess, to that Baltimore defense? Like, have the Chiefs offense shown you enough over these past two postseason games to stick with and be able to compete with that top defense? Well, I mean, when you've got Patrick Mahomes, you have enough to compete. It's just how much help is he going to get from the guys around him? I mean, the amount of mistakes that they've made over the course of the season that have cost them games in crucial situations, you can't ignore that. And if... They, if the Chiefs weren't able to rally last week, McCall Hardman's fumble through the end zone was going to be the epitome yeah. of their season. I mean, just yet another opportunity that they squandered because a wide receiver let the the rest of the team down. So it, how much help can they get? You know, the other part, too, is like everybody says that Mahomes doesn't have enough weapons around him. It, it's not that. It's just the amount of mistakes that those weapons have made. Yeah. Rasheed Rice has been an incredibly consistent player. Isaiah Pacheco is emerging as one of the better running backs in the league. And then if Travis Kelsey continues to wake up like he did last week with a couple touchdowns, you know, then all of a sudden you've got three quality guys that he can disperse the ball to. It's just, you know, are you going to stop with the drops? Are you going to stop with the ill-timed penalties? Are you going to stop fumbling the ball at, at awful situations? If Mahomes needs those guys to, to kind of pick everything up around him, he cannot do this by himself. Yeah, and Travis Kelsey, by the way, seven catches. He needs seven catches to pass Cherry Rice for the most in postseason history here. I got one more for you for this game before we get to the NFC side of things. Rumors are swirling. Andy Reid may potentially uh, retire if this is his last game, or maybe they go out with a Super Bowl. And some rumblings that Bill Belichick, he's in the conversation to replace Andy Reid. You've been over and on top of this Bill Belichick story and him not landing a coaching job up to this point all season long here. What are you hearing and the potential of Andy Reid stepping away and maybe Bill Belichick sliding in? Well, I'd be surprised if Andy Reid wanted to step away after the season. I mean, it still seems like he's got a lot to give 
uh, on the sideline. And I know he's been honest about the fact that he is getting closer to the end of his career. Maybe that only means another season or two or or whatever he's able to give them. But, you know, the other part of that question, I I understand why there'd be a connection from from Belichick to go to the Chiefs and a ready-made roster and wanting somebody that can, you know, even if Belichick only has two more years and, and, you know, the, the quality of that roster, the ability to coach up that defense and to keep them as, as legitimate Super Bowl contenders would be enticing. But if you're the Chiefs, I think you would want a little more consistency just with the carryover that you could have in a transition from Andy Reid whenever that happens. You have Steve Spagnolo on staff, who's one of the better defensive coaches in the league, <clears throat> has head coaching experience. But then, you know, even if they want to bring in somebody like Eric Bieniemy or Mike Kafka, somebody who has Chiefs ties and can kind of, again, Uh-oh. keep that consistency in place beyond Andy Reid, I think that would make a little more sense than Bill Belichick at this point. Yes, so Bieniemy leaves a little bit and then kind of comes back, the return of the prodigal son. All right, Jeff, I'm picking up what you're putting down. You know, one thing I'm very excited about today, and I think a lot of America is as well, is just this, this fairy tale. Everyone's rooting for the underdog out west with the Lions facing the 49ers. We've come a long way since the kneecap-biting introductory press conference here with Dan Campbell, man. Like, this team is fun as hell to watch, but are they a little too vulnerable on defense, you think, to compete with that juggernaut offense of San Francisco, one that's going to have Debo today? Probably. <laughs> and, and you know what's cool about the fairy tale aspect of it? You know, they've rallied. Or they've got America rallying yeah, around baby. them and, and all that stuff. But it's also – there are people in the league that are really captivated by this story. I mean, I – I do this picks story every week where I talk to a handful of people around the league from different teams and try to see what their feel is for who's going to win these games. And uh, the the people who picked against the Lions this week were like apologetic. They didn't want to pick against the Lions. Uh, But you look at everything on paper and you like you said, that vulnerable defense, you know, the other part, I mean, yeah, on paper. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world for the 49ers to win this game. I would expect the 49ers to win this game, but I do think there is a path for Detroit to pull off the upset. You know, let's start with that defense. Uh, Brock Purdy didn't look good last week Mm -hmm. against the Packers. And it's not like the Packers had this like resurgent defense or whatever. They fired their defensive coordinator like four days after that game. So that Brock Purdy looked fairly pedestrian at best before that game winning drive when he was tremendous, but Brock Purdy did not look that good against a vulnerable defense. So he could make some mistakes again in this one. The other part of that is the lions running game, that two headed monster. They're consistent. They stay, you know, it's one thing to go into a game and say, we're going to run the ball. We're going to control the clock and all that other stuff. A lot of coaches get impatient and they're like, they get about 10 plays into the game and they say, screw that. We're going to start throwing. This is more fun. The Lions have shown a dedication to keeping the ball on the grounds and the 49ers, the total numbers against the rush are good, but that's because teams don't really run against them because they fall behind so quickly. Uh, The yards per carry is pedestrian. Mm -hmm. So if the Lions are able to jump out to an early lead, even if it's, you know, 7-3 or something, you know, it doesn't have to be a big early lead. But if you can kind of take the multidimensional aspect away from the 49ers offense or, or you start to force Purdy to throw the ball over the middle of the field, that's when he's made some mistakes. 
Yeah, Detroit, the only team in the league, Jeff, with two players who scored at least 10 rushing touchdowns. So we're talking David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs here. Uh, in terms of uh, the 49ers on their side of things, Kyle Shanahan, how bad does he need this win and maybe even another Super Bowl appearance uh, just for his legacy here? Because last week was the first time. So now he's 1-30 in 30 in games where his team – uh, can actually win a game when they're trailing f by five points or more entering the fourth quarter here. So there's some people who I think if, are a little nervous for the 49ers if this thing is close, but does he need this for his legacy? Well, it's if they continue to win, I mean, once he wins a Super Bowl, I think you're going to start to enter the conversation as like one of the better coaches uh, of all time. And, and that's you know, you're laying the groundwork. It's not like he's going to retire and everybody's going to just start building statues yeah. and canton for him. Uh, but it's it's a necessary step in order to cement himself uh, with that type of reputation. I thought for the past three, four years, I, I know the success of the 49ers since his arrival predates that. But I really thought the last three or four years, Kyle Shanahan has been one of the probably three or four best coaches in the league at worst. And, and you know, some last season in particular, I thought he was the best coach in the league. So uh, this is a guy who has the potential to cement himself as and in a historic level, if he continues this trajectory, but you got to get that first Super Bowl first. Yeah. And you certainly don't want to give away a game when you're the one seed at home in the playoffs with all these expectations with how strong you've been. Uh, you don't want to lose in upset fashion, uh, but it's not like this game is going to do a lot for the resume or, or the reputation or, or what have you. Okay. If they don't go and get it done again in two weeks. And yeah, you know, he's going to have revenge on the mind if he ends up facing the Chiefs here in a couple of weeks in Vegas, which right now, Jeff, we got a minute to go in this segment. Which two teams will be meeting in Vegas in two weeks? I'm going chalk. I'm sticking with the Ravens and the 49ers. Ooh. I just think they've been... By and large, the better teams over the course of the season uh, both have a lot going for them. I absolutely see a path where, I mean, the, the Chiefs or the Lions could win. And I'm not trying to sit on the fence, but, you know, this is not like a wrap or, or anything by any stretch of the imagination. Like I said, if the Lions are able to run the ball uh, and force Purdy into turnovers, that's an easy way for them to kind of keep this momentum okay. going. Keep the pressure on, like you said, Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy in the fourth quarter where they have not been tremendous. The other side of that... Uh, again, if Lamar Jackson's the best player on the field, the Ravens are going to win hands down. If he starts making mistakes, which have been a reason for some of their playoff losses under his tenure, uh, then the Chiefs absolutely have a chance to. Jeff Howell of The Athletic, you are good people. Thanks, homie. We're wrapping up the show next with Best Bets, people. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. 
OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Final block of the sweat, ladies and gentlemen. Then you'll have just about, you know, five hours or so until kickoff of the AFC title game around 3 o'clock Eastern time. We've had some pretty good guests to give us some pretty good intel today. Anything stand out to you? And Jules, I'll start with you because you were part of the Nate Taylor interview there. I was. Any, anything that he said that you're thinking a little bit more about that may impact the way you're going to navigate kind of betting this game? Um, I'll say weather not going to impact anything yeah. that I do today in either game. Uh, if you like the under in Baltimore, it's because you like the under in Baltimore. Those two okay. teams getting together on this stage, what they can do on defense. Um, and same with, same with I'm, I'm sticking to it. Jared Goff's going to have a bad game on grass. Again, nothing to do with weather. It's just being out of the dome, playing on that surface. So uh, I guess Steve will like my take of weather does not matter today. Yeah, Steve, yeah, congratulations. You brought him to the dark side. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. Like the under is not, you're not yeah. taking it because, oh, it's, 10 mile per hour wins, or it's going to yeah. drizzle. How about there's just two defenses playing against each other in a playoff game? That might make nope. a little more sense. I agree. But, like, for real, it was nice having Nate literally sitting next to the window and be like, dude, the weather today you is going to be fine. You could have asked better questions. But I think oh, it, really? I think it was good. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Maybe I'll uh, put the read receipts here of all the textures in it throughout that interview. <laughs> well, it was nice having you work at DraftKings, Steve. And don't forget, I'm tight with the folks in HR. Uh, <laughs> anything for you, Josh, stand out? And, and even, like, with what Jeff was saying about maybe the legacy of, of Kyle Shanahan here and how he hasn't fared so well. Well, if they, as, as the game has become tighter, the later it gets. Yeah, so I think my big takeaway, Emerson, and uh, Jeff Howe hit on this, it's the head versus heart when it comes to the Lions and 49ers game because the heart, again, we're humans. We have emotions. We try to use our head over our heart. I think if you're a sports better, you always want to use your head over your heart. But again, Jeff kind of pointed out the fact that he runs that article and he gets intel from different executives, and they're all saying, man, we, we don't want to bet against the Lions because of the story, because of the Cinderella aspect, because this is a team that's been so bad for so long. You know, we've, we've seen the two home games. People are going nuts. Eminem's in the stands. This is yeah, really captivating yeah. the country. Is this uh, your way but, of saying to uh, ignore Narrative Street? It, it's a little bit. Well, so it's, it's, it's Narrative it's Avenue amazing. and then Street Road. What a final so, block for Steve. Along those lines, Everything's though. coming up, Steve. Everything's coming up, Steve. Yeah, this is your day, big man. Uh, uh, head versus heart, just in terms of the betting market, too. Like, 70% of bets are going Lions in the points. Makes total sense when you think about it from the eye test. And, you know, it's a high-powered offense. They'll keep it close. 
But again, the market is telling you there is liability here on San Francisco. Just the fact that they're super contrarian, only getting 31% of bets, but half the money. And this line never got down to six and a half. It's, it's you know, peaked up at different times to seven and a half. So that's going to be fascinating to me. And then um, one guy in particular, guys, to look at would be Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I just want to throw this in there before we get out of here. Jameer Gibbs over 23 and a half receiving yards. It opened the week at 21 and a half. It's been bet up to 23 and a half. It's juiced up 23 and a half over minus 120. Like it may go to 24. I think you're going to need a big game out of Jameer Gibbs if, to keep up with this offense, especially if what Jeff said, the d- bad defense of the Lions are giving up points. Well, you got to start scoring points. He's gone over this number in both postseason games. He had 40 re- uh, receiving yards versus Tampa, 43 versus the Rams. I'm going over for the game, 51 and a half. Okay. My heart's rooting for the Lions. My head's telling me San Fran is sharp. Yeah. So I'm giving you the cop out. I'm only betting the total. Yeah. I'm Gibbs that, that's typical uh, yeah. Josh Applebaum exactly. tradition <laughs> there is, is the cop out. So is, is that right now your best conference championship Sunday bet? I'm going four and a half with, okay. uh, with Mahomes here. Yeah. Uh, I'll go down with the ship. If Mahomes doesn't play well, if the Ravens roll, I'll say I maybe put too much into the uh, the, the stock of that underdog situation, 9-1 ATS. But again, this is something we've seen in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. We saw it against Buffalo. I know the Ravens are a different animal here, but I think you're taking a position. On, like, you're not betting KC today because they're sharp. You're betting on KC because the numbers moved a lot. There's value to buying low on Mahomes, and they've been in the situation before. Baltimore hasn't. So four and a half. And again, I would love to see this close at four and those four and a halfs be gone. Yeah. That would be a good sign for KC. And so before we get into some Super Bowl futures and some look-aheads, just right now for today, the bet you're most confident in, you would call it your best bet, Steve. Taking the Ravens. I'm taking the Ravens of minus four. Like, I really do think that there is so many ways that the Ravens can beat the Chiefs. I do not feel the same about how the Chiefs can beat the Ravens in this game here. Defensively, offensively, they just have it ready, and they're ready to go in this game here against the Chiefs. Like I mentioned here, the Ravens allowing just 16 points per game to their opponents all throughout the season here. Rice in a very tough matchup in coverage against Kyle Hamilton. You know, really, it's going to come down to, and this is another bet that I like to a lot, is Justin Watson to go over 16 and a half receiving yards. You're going to have Rice on lockdown coverage. You're going to have MVS on lockdown coverage with Marlon Humphrey. That might open up a lot for Justin Watson and Travis Kelsey, but Watson really has that low yardage total. But if you look at Watson's total of 16 and a half, his average distance of target on the year sits at just over 19. So we're talking about he gets that one target of downfield, makes that catch. He's going over that yard total in one shot there. So I think this is going to open up a lot more for Watson and Kelsey. But at the end of the day, I think the Ravens have the better team Overall, give me the Ravens minus four. And his girlfriend will be there. Jules, Can't best wait. bet. <laughs> uh, Everything was looking up for you until a second ago. I'll, I'll preface this by saying hopefully you are a regular on the show and got the 49ers features. I'm not laying seven with the Niners today because I don't have to. I am loaded up on Niners to win the NFC. Best bet today, if you're neutral, you haven't done anything yet, Niners, minus seven. It's minus 115 right now. One of the better prices that you've seen throughout the week. I'm comfortable laying seven with the Niners. I think that they are going to stomp the Lions here. Everyone's emotional uh, pick today. The dog everybody loves. Jared Goff's not going to play well on grass. Uh, this is a reputation. Uh, <laughs> this is a reputation. Going out on there, there, we just, started so strong for Jared, you. Jared Goff. Uh, this is a legacy game for me with Jared Goff going out on the grass and uh, needing to look. Bad. I want him to play. I don't have so time. Bad. I don't have time to get to San Francisco. Otherwise, I would get out there and slick the field or something so I could make myself look better. But oh, Niners man. minus seven. They're they're going to be all over uh, all over the Lions. Brock Purdy is going to look like a... Everybody remembers Brock Purdy not being able to throw the ball in his one playoff game this year. He's going to look like a totally different quarterback in this game. Okay. All right. Super Bowl futures right now. Does anybody have anything? I will say if you do like the Chiefs, 
I mean, four to one to win the Super Bowl is yeah. so, not getting that type of number, you know, on a normal basis. I, like, odds on I the like DK Sportsbook right now, folks 49ers plus 145, Ravens plus 180, Chiefs plus 400, and the Lions plus 800. I like, I'll say this I like the AFC in the Super Bowl. If you go back and look at matchups throughout the season, the AFC has consistently pounded these NFC teams, obviously highlighted by the Ravens, who went to San Francisco, destroyed the 49ers, 44-6 against the Lions. But even, like, just look throughout the course of the year. Dallas loses to Miami. Um, You go through games, other than Detroit taking down Kansas City on on opening night, a lot of the big conference head-to-heads, the AFC won. That might be telling us something here. I so yes, I agree with Steve. If you if you like Kansas City today, maybe you get a little four to one on them. Yeah, I, I'm gonna like the AFC side. Most likely, things can change. It's two weeks away. I'm, I'm gonna most likely like the AFC side in the Super Bowl. Are systems telling you anything when we're looking ahead right now before these conference championship games kick off in terms of Super Bowl futures? So futures to me, I'll throw this to you guys. You know, during the break, we had a very loyal listener and watcher of the show who DM me and said, "I have a big futures bet on the Ravens to okay. win the Super Bowl." Now he stands to win. I'm not gonna give you the exact number but a very you know substantial amount that uh, could buy a lot of Domino's pizzas, let's just say. Oh, maybe a lifetime Jules. Wow, you peasant. So without knowing <laughs> the actual number here, guys, I'll pitch it to you. If you're holding a big ticket, and this is just a philosophical argument, you know, uh, in terms of wh- how much you bet, how much you stand to win, how risk-averse you are as a better. Uh, also, uh, I, the joke here, as someone told me a long time ago, is hedging is for landscapers. You ever heard that phrase before? Yeah, or yeah. There's, yeah. E- there's or, ego or involved. Like, I don't want to, you know, I believe my bet, I want to stick with my bet. Remember, the Bruins played the Blues in the uh, Stanley Cup final a few years ago and uh, somebody had a huge ticket on the Blues. He never hedged the whole time. He won a huge bet because the Blues won it all. So I'll throw this yeah, to that you guys. Seven. That was, yeah, that? That was a Bruins they fan. bullied the hell out of Terrible. Tuco. Black and down gold. That one. Yep. Okay. But what would you guys do, long story short, if you are standing to win a very large amount on a Ravens Super Bowl future, do you just ride that out or do you hedge with Bolt, with KC to win the game? Do you bet KC to win no. the Super Bowl? Personal right preference out. if you were in that situation. And, and I think it's very important, too, because we were discussing this a little bit off air, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, there is no solid answer. There is no right answer. Correct. There is no wrong answer. This is such a personal thing that you should decide on your own. If you are in this position where, you know, if I if this, if this is me and I have that Ravens bet, I'm letting it ride out because I do feel very confident about the Ravens. But I want to make it perfectly clear. If you were in that type of situation, there is no right or wrong answer. Sure, hindsight's twenty twenty when the games play out. Oh, I should have done this. I should have done this. Well, of course, mm-hmm. if you had that type of insight, you would have done something. But if you felt strong about that before and you're in this type of position where the Niners and Ravens, you know, when it comes to Odds are the two favorites are separated by you know 35 cents here. Then there's a big jump from that. I'm feeling good about my Ravens, you know, future at this point. But it is very important to you how you feel about that okay. to make that decision yourself. Hedging is all personal preference. That's what I tell people all the time. Uh, what does that dollar amount mean to you? Uh, are you comfortable getting nothing out of this? Do you need something out of this? Um, and think about how you would feel with each outcome. Uh, like before the game, like I know, you know, I, I have a Ravens t-shirt. I love the Ravens today. Well, think about how you're going to feel if the Chiefs win. Do you want to get a unit or two out of this? Or are you good? Hey, I got one unit on the future. Let's just push it all out and let it ride. Yep. And there's also the hot conspiracy theory about the Super Bowl logo and the colors two years ago. <laughs> Super Bowl 56 no, logo had yellow for the Rams. Last year was green and red. Colors. This year, purple and red. Does that represent the Ravens <laughs> and 49ers? <laughs> Stupid. These narratives. Just wrap them up the show. Have a great conference championship. Take it off everybody. my microphone on here. Okay.
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.